0: Blue wire. Think about Lawrence, fires to the end zone, touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott Dodge the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by
0: Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone, touchdown Clemson.
1: Welcome into another episode of Press Pass and a very special one because the first week of college football is in the books. And my goodness, Joshua, we always say this, I feel like every year, but I feel like it just, there's nothing about it that disappointed. I could point out so many games that took us for a ride. What were your thoughts about this weekend? You survived.
0: Yes. And it's funny. And I, you know, I think a lot of analysts say this, so I'm not saying anything groundbreaking, but like all off season, all we hear about is NIL and transfer portal and um, you know, conference realignment and playoff expansion. And um, you know, some of the, the old heads, the football purists are like, Oh, college football is going to hell in a handbasket. Oh, Mm -hmm. the game will never be the same. The game is ruined. And then we watch literally, like everything we love about college football happened this weekend. You had the game, the Sunday night deal where you thought Florida State really had just snuffed LSU out. and LSU yeah. goes down there, creates some drama, 99 yards to score a touchdown just to get a kick block. You get Appalachian State up early on UNC, and then they go down. And then they score 40, 40 points in the fourth quarter and lose the game. But you turn around and watch Iowa play an FCS opponent and score exactly seven points with a field goal and two safeties. This is what we love about the sport. And so every year, you get your your emotions all tangled up in the offseason, and you worry about if the sport's going to be any good, and is it going to be exciting? Are we going to enjoy games anymore? You flip on the first weekend, and you're like, ah, it's the same old thing that we, we love. And I mean... I don't think there's anything better. No,
1: it was definitely everything I could ask for and more. And we actually had that LSU-Florida State game on our channel here in Nashville. where the ABC affiliate, and I was just telling you this story. But this just goes to show the unpredictability of college football because we don't go on until the game's over. And so our 10 p.m. show was obviously pushed back because this game, like always – usually with college football, the games go a little bit over. And so I, you know, I'm like, I got to get on set. Uh, They obviously were, you know, driving, but I was like, "Ah, I don't really know if LSU has enough to tie this up. And so I get on set, I get on my mic. They obviously have the whole thing that happens with the out of bounds thing. And then they get a second on the clock, they throw for the touchdown and I'm going, Oh, great. We are really not going on till late. Like, we're going to go on at midnight tonight. And so I'm, I'm about to head out of the studio. And as I head out of the studio, going to kick the extra point, like you just talked about, and misses it. And the whole studio and the newsroom, which we don't have a lot of people on the weekends, but everybody was just like, oh, my gosh. And just like that, Mike was back on. I was back on the set and had to get ready to go, you know. But that's just the unpredictability of college football. I never expected that missed extra point.
0: No, Kayla, The last thing I expected. I mean, it was, that's the drama, right? Is like that exact situation. You, okay, so let's, let's think about the sequence here. LSU is getting ready to get the football back. Mm-hmm. Second muffed punt of the game. Florida State recovers it on like the eight-yard line. Mm-hmm. Florida State, is I mean they're they're in scoring position. The game is basically over at this point. That's what we all think. And they throw a pitch, a quick pitch, right on the goal line, which nobody would advise. Like you know no. you, you just put the no. put the ball in the guy's stomach, but that's what they do. So LSU gets it back. Uh, Jaden Daniels and and some people will look at his stat line and think he threw the ball well. I thought he was awful throwing the football most of the game. I think he processes the game slowly. I don't think he sees the field very well. I think he looks at the rush. When he's moving around the pocket, he's moving around to run it rather than to throw it. He puts together a 99-yard drive, throwing the football down the field. You get the review of the play with one second left on the clock. They get the touchdown. They line up to kick the extra point. And it just it never fails. The announcer on the game is like. Uh, he missed one or, or they got one blocked earlier, whatever the case was. And it's a, it's a blocked extra point. It's, I mean, that is, you can't write a story nope. more intriguing than that. I'm sitting here. I have no rooting interest in that game. I, it doesn't matter to me who wins or loses that game. And my heart is thumping. Like I'm watching the Ohio State Buckeyes play. Like that game was college football at its greatest for a, Singular day game, week one kind of capper, I couldn't have been happier.
1: And what's crazy about that, too, is that those are two unranked teams, which in the way past, you know, especially with Florida State, because they've been so irrelevant, that these would be two probably ranked teams going at it. Right, Um, right. Which is crazy to think, you know, that these are two teams with – very storied programs but that just haven't done a lot except for LSU winning the national championship a few years ago with Joe Burrow. Um, but other than that, these two programs have kind of been like, okay, whatever, Florida State more so than LSU. But this was just one of those games too that you kind of didn't know what to expect going into it. So I'll, I'll ask you this, I'll pose you this question. Um, bigger deal that Brian Kelly and LSU lost this game or bigger deal in a good way that Florida State
0: won this game? All right, let me give you two points of view on this. I I think Norvell needed that win. I think this can be a program type of win for him because it helps to validate a lot of the things that he probably was telling his football team um, Mm -hmm. about what they could be. And that was a game where they could have folded after – I mean, seriously could have folded after you fumbled to give them the ball back and then let them drive 99 yards. I, I know a lot of teams would have just mailed it in, probably would have lost in overtime. Uh, Brian Kelly, I'm surprised actually didn't go for two right there. Um, you know, and, and, and I think some of the game stoppage and everything else stole the momentum, but I, yeah. I would have tried to just walk out there with a dub. Special teams wasn't good all day, but, but in saying that, This was huge for Norvell. I think it's a great building block. I look around in the ACC, I see opportunity abound. We're going to watch Clemson play tonight. We're recording this on Labor Day. Um, So we don't know exactly what they're going to be. A lot of turnover on their coaching staff. But um, as I look at the rest of that conference, not super impressed. Now flip it over to the LSU side of things. Brian Kelly, um, this was one for the narratives. Brian Kelly can't win a big game. Brian Kelly can't coach special teams. Brian Kelly sold his other team out just to go to LSU and, you know, to, to screw it all up. And, um, I think that sets a tough tone. I also believe that his roster was in poorer condition than people want to admit it's, it's down in the sec. So you've got talent just naturally, but it's not like the LSUs of when that thing was humming. Um, In saying that, though, Billy Napier down at Florida with the roster that he inherited had every excuse to mail it in against Utah. And I thought Utah would firmly control that football game, and they didn't. And Billy Napier was in the shadows of Baton Rouge in his last coaching stop, and he got that Florida thing looking pretty good early on. And it's just one game. Uh and so that's another thing that is against the Brian Kelly narrative. So um I think this one hurts LSU more so in the short run. Long run wise, I think Florida State, if they can build upon this win, it's it's bigger for them.
1: Yeah, no, though all very valid points there. And I just think when I look at LSU last night, there were a lot of just situations where they shot themselves in the foot. Yes. And even individual players, I, I know that their um, defensive tackle, uh, I think, hurt his knee or
0: on a celebration. On a
1: celebration early yep. on in that game, he's having an MRI, yep. MRI on that. He was on the sideline on tears crutches, slowing tear down tears flowing. Yeah, yeah, it just goes to show, like you know, you. you I mean, it just that Kate, was just like wow.
0: It was. It was. It was. I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the celebration thing is a freak accident. I I literally hate to see that for a kid and somebody especially of his talent level. Like, that is miserable. Yep. But you had that awful targeting.
1: Yes. I mean, that yes. was one of the most egregious targetings so I have awful. seen.
0: It's on a defenseless player, quarterback, yeah. in a throwing posture. You hit him in the head and neck area with the crown of your helmet and you launched into it. Like, I, I mean, open and, and shut on that call. Um, You had dropped passes all over the football field. Couldn't convert on third downs early on in that game. The special teams errors speak for themselves. Um, You leave points out there on the field through field goals and that extra point at the end uh, where they avoided overtime. And and, uh, the drop punts, I mean, my God, um, could not have been a more mistake-filled game early on. So maybe you flip that into a positive. And say that if you get some discipline in your team, they can play a lot better. Um, Maybe that's just who your team is going to be this year, though.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing Kelly said after the game. We have some learning to do. They certainly do, and and we'll see how that unfolds. Before we get to the great game that was Ohio State-Notre Dame, and I know that you were watching that very closely, I wanted to just point out who I thought looked absolutely incredible this weekend. But I will add – that they were playing a team that I say every single year, and I know I said this to you again this year, are yes. overrated. They are always ranked high in the preseason polls, and that is Oregon. Well yeah, Oregon I knew you
0: were going there. Versus
1: Georgia. Yeah. And again, I'm not trying to dog on Oregon, but I have been in that conference and followed that conference my whole like career and obviously went to school at Washington State. And it was the same thing back then. Like, they'd have really good seasons, but for the most part, they were always ranked really high in the preseason polls because they were Oregon. And then they come out, and they are they don't always look great. I know last year was different. But, Joshua, this Oregon team, it maybe looked way worse than we thought, or Georgia is way better than we thought. Because watching Georgia, and I know that it was in Atlanta, I get that, But watching Georgia on Saturday, I was really impressed with so many things, including how many defensive players they lost and how they looked to be right back in the mix of things with their defense. But I was really impressed with a guy I kind of poked fun at, Stetson Bennett. Go ahead and say it. I am going to say I'm giving him a lot of credit because he actually looked like a quarterback that was – Battling with some of the elite in the in the college ranks right now because this guy was moving. He was on the run. He had some accurate throws down downfield, which they said that he can't do. I just was really impressed with Stetson Bennett. I can't believe I'm saying that.
0: Yeah. So on the Oregon side, before I get into this Georgia thing, um, certainly came oh, in next? overrated. I, I I just you know, you, you were spot on with that. Preseason rankings really just kind of get me all pissed off um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's just – it's too early. It's too difficult to tell. You never know what's going to happen. Um, their roster is nowhere close to the roster that Georgia has, and Kirby Smart is also a phenomenal football coach, um, and, and that makes a big difference there. Yeah. This Georgia team, though, I mean, if they can avoid – if they can avoid, if they can avoid the, the things that seep into your program when you win a championship – the putting in on autopilot sometimes, the reading the newspaper clippings, the overlooking of opponents, the, you know, uh the individual players who um you know they're they're playing for themselves. And with a young defense, they're not gonna have to worry about that. They got some guys on offense that I think are really good players, but um I think their offense has also been doubted. So they probably got some edge to them. They can avoid all those things. It looks like it might be a repeat just based off of one game. And I know it's early to say dumb stuff like that, but my God. Um, Stetson <laughs> Bennett, like you said, was absolutely ridiculous in that game. I love the way that he played it. Uh, yeah. I, I thought he looked like a quarterback that knew it was his job. Yes. And he was playing loose and he was playing free and he was playing with confidence. And that tight end room for Georgia, they got three guys who oh could start God. anywhere in America. Um, I, I am worried because those types of players are matchup nightmares. And we, I know college football, we talk about these wide receivers, they can take the top off of defenses and how hard they are to cover. But when you have a tight end with those skill sets, I mean, those are guys who can get physical, but they're guys who can stretch the field in the pass game. You're not putting a linebacker on them and and be damned if you try to cover them with the safety, because those guys are too big and physical to do that. Um, it's impossible to cover. And then you mentioned the defense. And they were a lot further along than I would have imagined this early on the season. It's not to say that I didn't think that they were going to be a great defense again. Right. Because I, I respect the hell out of Kirby as a coach. Yeah. And I think that those guys had a great opportunity to learn and grow. But usually early on in the season, they're going to be growing pains. Sure. That's something that we see all the time. and It looked like no damn growing pains out there. No. Uh, ah, man, uh, this Georgia team, holy moly.
1: And I'll say this too. I'm sorry, but Bo Nix... Nicks- At some point, bro, you gotta look yourself in the mirror and say, "Should I really be playing football?" I mean, it's
0: not his fault though. Everybody keeps hyping him up. It's not on him.
1: I, you're right, and you're exact. That's the sad thing about being a son of a of a you know a player, especially a guy that was a quarterback at Auburn. You have kind of the lineage that goes with it, and it didn't work out at Auburn. But I, from everything that I had heard, it was Oregon that was like begging him to come there and so I don't really know how big of a quarterback competition there was this year knowing that they just wanted to make Bo Nicks the starter but look I've seen this guy play so many times because again my husband's an, a big hot you know Auburn fan he went there and it just doesn't look like he has what it takes to be a quarterback at this point an elite quarterback in college he doesn't fix any of the things he needs to fix and at this point Feel like if you don't do that, you haven't done it already. You're never going to do it. So
0: I, yeah, I'm with you on that. And you know, part of this paradigm too for him is every coach feels like they can fix every player. Yeah, yeah. And so when you're Bo Nix, you feel like you get a fresh start, and your coaches are hyping you up, and they think that they got all the answers. And sometimes they don't.
1: Yep, that's a good point. There's a lot of that going on as well. Okay, so let's get to the game that was on Saturday night, primetime, everybody watching this one. And I thought it was interesting. Clearly, your Buckeyes um, won that one, but it was really good game. And you had put something out on Twitter that I found was interesting this weekend. And you said, I'll be curious to see how far Notre Dame falls in this week's AP poll because I don't think they should fall at all. And I don't think I necessarily disagree with you because, really, I think we – saw a lot more than we thought we'd see out of Notre Dame this early on.
0: Yes. And here's my thinking on this is Ohio state is probably going to drop one spot. Georgia is going to elevate. They should, I think Georgia should take the top spot um, with, with what they're dispatching of Oregon. This is not a knock on Alabama because I thought they looked really clean in their opening game as well. Uh but Ohio State should drop, right? So I think we can see that Ohio State maybe at this point not as good as we thought they were gonna be coming in. Not to say that they won't be an elite team by the end of the year. But Notre Dame was a 17 and a half point dog. And I, I think I said it on um when the last time I talked to you that I thought that number was entirely too big.
1: Yes, you did. Um, yes, you did.
0: But Notre Dame held their own. They had a lead at halftime. Um they they made that game really sticky, uncomfortable for Ohio State. And Ohio State came out in the second half. They made adjustments defensively, didn't give up another score in the game. Offense, uh, when they had to run the ball and salt the game away, they did it uh, with, with physicality and aggression. It was something we hadn't seen a year ago. So a lot of good takeaways. But as you look at this Notre Dame team, I don't think anybody expected them to go into the horseshoe with no. a new head coach, and a new starting quarterback, and not a lot of offensive weapons. And to be able to keep the thing close, they they certainly did that. Um, So if they exceeded our expectations, then why would they be less of a team than they were coming in? If Mm -hmm. we thought they were the number five team in the country that could get beat by number two by 17 and a half points, and they kept it to 11, why wouldn't they still be the number five team in the country? Unless Mm -hmm. you think Ohio State was. You know, if if you drop Ohio State to ten, then you gotta drop Notre Dame off behind them. Mm-hmm. I, I I get that, but that's where I'm getting at. Here's the example that I like to use: is a team who's in the top ten could lose to an unranked team, and they could free fall in the polls to you know the mid teens or the twenties. And the team that beat them doesn't necessarily jump up ahead of them. So we know that the team that lost to the bad team is still the better football team. Right. So we keep them in the rankings. We keep the other team out of the rankings. But when a team loses in a game they're supposed to lose better than they're supposed to lose it by, we still punish them. To me, it's weird. It does. My opinion of Notre Dame has not changed except for the fact that I think they might be a little bit better than we thought they were. And so it would be difficult for me to say that I could drop them simply because they lost. Losing should be punished. I think losses should matter. In this situation, my opinions about Notre Dame are largely unchanged in the fact that they are still as good of a team coming in as they are leaving the horseshoe, because they made that game difficult for Ohio State.
1: Yeah, I was, because I'm obviously an AP voter, and I'm voting tonight after the Clemson game. And there's a lot of stuff that I am laying out on the table and figuring out how I'm going to do this. Cause it's actually, this is kind of the toughest time of the year because you have some of these big time games early on, but you, you still don't know exactly a lot about these teams. So I don't want to do anything drastic and I don't really think the top, you know, 10 are really going to change that much. I mean, there might be some fluctuating here and there, like you said, but I just, I don't have enough now at this point to be dropping, like you said, Notre Dame down a lot at all, if at all, just because they, they lost this game to Ohio state. Um, I also wanted to pose this question to you because you also get some of these teams, like you saw Cincinnati and Arkansas, which was a really good game and Cincinnati, and Arkansas both ranked teams. But it's like, so Arkansas won that game. Again, very good game that was that was in Fayetteville, a very difficult place to play. And Cincinnati lost. So it's like, do you drop Cincinnati out because they lost? Um, or do you keep them somewhere towards the end of it? There's just so much that goes into it. And it's like, that was a good game, though. It wasn't like a blowout on either end.
0: What was Cincinnati coming in, 23?
1: Yeah, I believe so. And I think Arkansas was 20. I
0: think they might have been 19.
1: Was it 19? Yeah, they are they were very, very close in terms of yeah. where they were in the rankings. Um,
0: he, he probably got to move Arkansas up, um, and they deserve it. And Cincinnati, unfortunately, I think will drop out. Yep. Um, again, situation where it's early on they were at the, the toward the end of the rankings they can get back in it pretty easily um my biggest question for you is what do you do with utah and what do you do with florida
1: yeah no it, that's the other thing that i'm pondering look right now um i am going to say that i still like utah in terms yes. of a team that i believe should be in the top 25 for the the biggest reason Again, it's not like that game was a blowout 100%. by any means, okay? And really, it was that the quarterback that kind of fucked things up at the end. Excuse my language. I probably shouldn't have sworn. Uh, well. But I, I did. And Florida was a little bit better than I think anybody thought. But let's also play put this into play, Joshua. I've been to the Swamp. I yep. know what it's like to play in the Swamp. Yeah. Pack twelve doesn't have anything like that. Nope. Maybe maybe Oregon can be a little bit crazy, but not not like the swamp. And so I I actually have to look at that and put that into play. So I will put I will put Florida in my top twenty five this week.
0: They deserve to be in there.
1: They deserve to be in it, but I'm not dropping Utah out now. Where are okay. they where they go, I don't know yet. I've still got so to decide.
0: My my thoughts on it is I believe Utah is still a top-20 team. Mm-hmm. And if Florida beat them, then Florida would obviously have to be yes, above somewhere them. above them. Yeah, I was looking at some of the pundits who do their, their you know, top-25 after the weekend of games, even though yep. there's still one game left, which is a, a funky exercise, but yeah. neither here nor there. And some of these cats had Florida at like number seven. No, some of these cats no. had Florida at number nine or ten. Uh-uh. And nope. as much as I think they proved a lot to us, hard for me to say that yeah. I want to put them in the top 15 right yeah. now. Um, maybe 15's 15 is a good spot. Yeah.
1: I'm
0: um, not putting them at 15 even. I'll maybe but, put them at 16 or 17. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if, if you think Utah is maybe 20 right now, you put Florida a spot or two ahead of them. Yeah. That was a very closely contested football game. Yep. Um, they had the home field advantage. Um, I think all those factors come into play. But a lot of these people are going to be on this Florida hype train early on. Of course they are. Florida, this is not, again, to disparage that program because they didn't, nobody really gave them a shot. But let's slow down on this top 10 idea, guys.
1: That's ridiculous, Joshua. And I cover the SEC. Like, I follow everything that goes on down here all the time. And I'm not putting Florida in the top 10 right now.
0: Well, that's what people like, want they to can, do.
1: Er, they can earn that, but that's ridiculous. God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too.
1: Okay. So before we wrap things up, I just want to know, what is the biggest thing that you learned after this first week of college football? And that can be anything as basic as this team is, you know, definitely going to run the table, or, you know, whatever you want. Just the biggest thing you kind of took away from this weekend.
0: Yeah, um, I hate to say, but I'm a little bit down on my conference right now. Really? Yes, I I think Ohio State had a statement win. That was a program type of win. It was sticky. It was tough. Um, I I certainly believe that Ohio State grew through having a resistant type of team come in and challenge them early on. You know, stop reading the 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 newspaper clippings and you start playing football like a, a team. I'm totally here for that. Um Michigan goes out in, in a game that was supposed to be lopsided. Yeah and they made it lopsided. This yeah. quarterback thing makes me pause a little bit just in terms of like you know, Cade, his comments after the game. Um, JJ is going to get the start next week against the Hawaii team that I think is, is awful. Um, I don't know how you make a fair comparison based off of, you know, different teams, but whatever the case is, I think Michigan's going to be good. Michigan State looked fine, Penn State was okay. I, I like the, the guts at the end of the game to go down and win it. Um, I think Purdue also put the game on a a silver platter for them. The game that I called Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska was tied with an FCS team. Um, (laughs) they, they, they didn't look dominant until maybe like the last quarter of that football game. Iowa goes out against an FCS team. Can't score a touchdown. Um, Rutgers probably had the second best win, beating BC in in the Big Ten. Um, I I hope it gets better, but it just feels a little bit like it's gonna be conference beating itself up type of situation. It's gonna be mucky and ugly. Um, So yeah, that's where I'm at.
1: That's yeah. I that's a those are some good bullet points there. I'm I'm glad you brought up. Michigan. I don't know what's going on with that whole quarterback situation. It seems like I so, said
0: it's it's out of Ecclesiastes. Weird. You know, yeah. Solomon said, "You you plant two seeds. Yeah, you water them. You care for them, and then you see which one reaps the best harvest."
1: Like I just don't vibe with that.
0: <laughs> it's a very unique spot.
1: I've and I've covered a lot of teams that have had kind of situations like that where they've had to. Um, quarterbacks to start the year it never goes well it really doesn't
0: yeah it usually
1: doesn't go well um, Michigan's
0: schedule sets up for them to play this game though so I, I give them the yeah, benefit of the doubt there. yeah
1: no you're you're right on that okay so I did want to give a shout out to the school right here in Nashville Vanderbilt so they have a sponsor for the first time ever for their stadium First Bank Stadium. It is actually named First Bank Stadium instead of Vanderbilt Stadium. Uh, So they're really starting to get. They have this Vandy United campaign that's been going on. So they're putting all this money into the facilities. Finally, you know, showing that they're trying to do things to to put you know this program at least competitively, somewhat competitively in the SEC, and that's hard to do, obviously, because they've been kind of the bottom feeder. But I'll give him a lot of props. Well, they also have started off the season playing Hawaii and Elon, mind you. But Yeah, I know. You, you do have to look at the quarterback, Mike Wright, who I just am We've really— We've talked about him. I am loving Mike Wright, man. I am absolutely loving this kid. He is—first of all, he's a smart kid. He yep. has charisma. But yep. this kid is going out here. He had six touchdowns against Elon. First time that has ever happened for a Commodore quarterback. This guy can run. Um, Obviously, he's got a lot of growth still to to happen, which Clark Lee addressed after the game. But he is an extreme bright spot for that team.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we talked about him during the summer. What impressed me was his media presence. Um, Yeah, He's got swagger and confidence. And you mentioned the charisma. Um, I love that out of a quarterback and especially at a place like Vanderbilt, which you you need to muster as much of a um, identity and a brand as a program as you can. Like, that's the type of guy you want to roll with, but to see him come in and like you said, the, the opponents have not been great. Uh, I mean, no. you know, they, they beat Hawaii by 53 points in uh, yeah. and, and that, not to get back on Michigan, but like, you know, how how do you make an evaluation off of yeah. a team that Vanderbilt beat by 53, but um you got to seize those opportunities though, because it's going to be hard to get wins down the line on the schedule if you're Vanderbilt and to go out and to, to score six TDs, like guys just don't do that. I don't care mm-hmm. who you're playing. Um, so certainly impressing to me. And I, that's the type of guy I root for. I don't have me any too. commitment to that university, um, but I want to see him have success.
1: Yeah, I do too. And they'll have a big test this weekend taking on, Wake Forest, who is is clearly at number twenty two right now, and just blew out their opponent, which was a no name VMI. But regardless, that'll be a huge test, and it's right here in Nashville. So, looking forward to um, seeing how they can hang with the Demon Deacons. Um, okay, Joshua, that was a great episode. We I felt like we dove into so much for this first week of college football, and we didn't even get to half of it. So that's hopefully. Next weekend, we'll have just as much stuff to talk about. Where can the folks go to follow you on Twitter right now? By the way, yes. did you see um, – Did you, you were at the Nebraska game. Did you see Willie Trumpet? No. Will Compton, who played the trumpet at the Nebraska halftime or something, it was the – you know the whole thing that's going on right now with the, the trumpet. Yes. So he I guess he went into the band section. So Will Compton played here for Tennessee the Titans. He's a huge Nebraska guy. Yep. He played at Nebraska. Yes. And um I guess he went into the the band and like faked the whole like trumpet thing that, that that's I
0: didn't out. see it.
1: Yeah, so it's it was all over social media. And so now like all these people are like doing the the trumpet thing. Like all it's all over the place. Really funny. Good. Yeah, so go go check that out if you can because I know that you were at that game. Where can people go to follow you on uh, social media?
0: You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. Questions, comments, concerns, my DMs are open. Yeah, tell a quick story. And um, probably shouldn't do this down the line, but I, I had to get something <laughs> off my chest. So as I'm calling the <laughs> Nebraska-North Dakota game, I had done this breakdown during the game about this unbalanced formation that Nebraska uh, switched into a balanced formation, hid the tight end, scored a touchdown, really great play design. Sure. So we're coming up on a critical situation for North Dakota, and I make mention that they get into an unbalanced formation of their own. Yep. And Nebraska fans are pretty smart fans, but this guy tweets me during the game Uh and says, that's not an unbalanced formation. Then he takes a screenshot of you know somebody's third grade drawing that was on Google what? Images, of a pro style tackle over unbalanced formation. He said, "This is unbalanced." And then he takes a screenshot of the game, and then he says, "This is not unbalanced." So I tweet him back during the game, and I said, "Do you not see the tight end up there at the top of the screen?" And he said, "The tight end over there doesn't make it unbalanced. That just makes it." And he puts in quotes, "Strong." And I said. Yeah, what? but did you notice that he's covered up by the outside receiver? So he's not eligible and in spread, so this is where the generations have to come together. Yeah. People who are used to pro style, when they talk about unbalance, they're typically talking about unbalanced offensive lines and uh you know, you put your tackle over and you do all these things. Sure. And sure. that certainly is unbalanced. But for spread teams, it's more about how they line their wide receivers up and who is yeah. uh eligible, who's not. Um, for the listeners out there. And so I, I told him that. And then he said he texted his, his friend who played quarterback in college football and told me that I was right. Well, yes, ah. I'm right. Uh, I did this for a living, not to you know, pump my own tires. And then here I am calling games on television. Feels like something I should know. Um, yeah. So if anybody wants to get into these battles with me about football ideology and, and schematics, I'm also open to that too. This is no shade to that fan because I think it's more of a, a, a difference in styles of football and terminology rather than a lack of understanding of football. But don't come at my mentions in the middle of a game when I'm in my flow and try to tell me I was wrong when I was right. I, my biggest pet peeve in life is being told I was wrong when I'm when right. right. I could feel my blood yep. rising, boiling in that moment. Don't do that.
1: And that's the thing with Joshua, if you don't know him and if you've not added him at anything trying to challenge him, if Joshua knows like that you're right or that there's a possibility that you're you're making a good point to maybe make him change his mind, he'll admit it. I will. He's not going to be one of those guys that's just... Yeah, exactly. So, but the point is, and I'm with you, when I know I'm right, like you ain't going to convince me any way other than that. No. You know? So don't even try um, but yes, if you ever want to get in a um, in a, a not an argument I'll say, but a heated conversation or just a conversation with Joshua, definitely at him during the college football season. I know you're on there, so
0: I'm on there all the time.
1: It'll be fun. Uh, you can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on social media Instagram, Twitter. It is going to be a great college football season. I can already feel it. So we appreciate you guys, of course, um, subscribing to the podcast. Check us out on Apple iTunes, wherever you hear your podcasts. And we appreciate you guys. We'll uh, be back for another episode next week. Take care.